We're in uh, 2 Timothy. Uh, today we're doing chapter 3. It's part of our series called uh, Your Turn. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, there is one main instruction in this whole chapter that everything else hinges around, and it's in verse 14 of 2 Timothy 3, and it's this, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. But, um, what's the but for there? That's the subject of the first part of this chapter. Something's going on in Ephesus for Timothy. Something's happening in that space that is going to maybe stop Timothy remaining faithful to the things he's been taught. Um, So Paul's going to explain all of that. So what is happening in Ephesus? This, verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Now this is important for us to understand. Whenever the New Testament says the last days, um, it, it's not refer- sometimes we read that and we think, oh, that means towards the end, just, just before Jesus comes back. Or, or you know, where, where history really kind of ramps up until the final cataclysmic um, close down that way. That's not the understanding of the New Testament writers. He's not talking about end times here in the last days. He's talking about, I'll show you what he's talking about. He's talking about right now through to the end. We are in the last days. The New Testament writers understood themselves to be in the last days. Uh, Like Peter, he says, most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. That's a warning to the people that he's writing to about what they're going to experience in their life. That way, James, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that's coming on you. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. You have. Uh, in these days that we're in, the writer to the Hebrews. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So when Paul says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, he's saying, in our day, Timothy, in these last days, there will be very difficult times. So that's applicable uh, then and it's applicable right through to now. Listen for what Paul says will be difficult in these last days. See if anything in this applies to people here in contemporary Australia This is why, Timothy, in the last days there'll be very difficult times. For people, verse 2, will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. They'll slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They'll betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. You know anyone like that? You see anyone like that? You see any of that kind of motive from our politicians or celebrities or news or social media feeds? Do you see this in your neighbours and friends or in your parents' group or in your workplace or in your mirror? Does any of this ring true 
for contemporary Australia. And since when has this not been true? Of the society anywhere? Was this true in Noah's day? Was this true in David's day? Um, It's not a new thing. There's always going to be people like that. It's not a surprise that people slander others and won't love and don't forgive and do cruel things and betray their friends and be ungrateful. It's blatantly obvious that society will be like this. Paul might as well be saying, Timothy, you know, don't forget that the ocean is wet, you know, or that Brussels sprouts is not a food or something like that. <laughs> so if he's just talking about society that way, you'd think that isn't, that is a, why is he even bothering to say that? But he's not just talking about society. He's not just talking about the secular world around us. Let's read on, verse 5. They, these people, they will act religious, but they'll reject the power that could make them godly. They will act religious. In your translation, it might have having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Who's Timothy being warned about here? See, the thought actually starts here. We have chapter divisions in this letter, but it's just one letter. It's just a whole... Um, in fact, there's very little punctuation in the Greek, so it kind of all flows and it's hard to work out where the divisions are. And this chapter 3 starts right in the middle of a thought, which actually begins in chapter 2 and verse 22. I want to read that to you. He's saying to Timothy, Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they'll learn the truth. Then they'll come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they've been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Then he says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. He's talking about influences within the church. He's warning Timothy about these motivations for people, particularly false teachers, if you like, in the church. People will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, considering nothing sacred, unloving, unforgiving, slandering others, lacking self-control, cruel, hating what is good, betraying their friends, reckless, puffed up with pride, choosing pleasure over God, acting religious but rejecting the power that could make them godly. Then he says... Stay away from people like that. Now, he's not saying, go, ah, oh, no, not talking to you. Because he said in the previous chapter, just gently instruct them. You know, like, be with them. Gently instruct them. Maybe, because maybe they'll come to their senses and escape the devil's 
trap. And we're very definitely called to be amongst those who are struggling and who are lost. And when we've got brothers and sisters that are in error or that are wandering from the path that way, we're called to be alongside them to help them. So what does he mean, stay away from people like that? He's saying, don't listen to them. Don't let them influence you. Don't follow them. Don't look to them as your role model. Stay away from people like that. He provides a local example, verse 6. They they are the kind who work their way into people's homes. Now, he's talking about a particular situation in Ephesus here. They're the kind who work their way into people's homes. They win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings but are never able to understand the truth. Now, just a note here. He's not talking about all women here. This is a local example. He's not saying, gee, women, you're always following new teaching and you're never able to understand the truth. Like, this is not a general comment about half of the world that way. He's saying, these women here, this, and there's more about that in 1 Timothy. I'm not going to get into that whole thing uh, right now. This is a local situation. His focus here is on these false teachers who find vulnerable people and worm their way in to get influence and exploit that influence that way. These teachers oppose the truth, verse 8, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. A counterfeit faith. But they won't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Janus and Jambres. And who knows who Janus and Jambres are from your Old Testament? I hope nobody does, because it's not in there. (laughs) This is the only place they're mentioned in the whole Bible. So you're like, who? Like, what? Um, Jewish tradition from about, from very early on, uh, Jewish tradition cites Janus and Jambres as the Egyptian magicians who opposed Moses in Pharaoh's court. So Paul would have understood that, Timothy would have understood that, um, they were, uh, it was obviously clear enough that he only has to mention their names and everybody knew the story um, that way. So you know when Moses is uh, sent by God into Pharaoh's court and, um, and Aaron's with him and Aaron's staff turns into a snake as a sign that this is God. And then these magicians in Pharaoh's court, their, st- their staffs also turn into snakes. And then there's this kind of snake battle and uh, Aaron's staff wins, eats the other snakes. Um, also, when, they, when, he, uh, when the water turned to blood, they reproduced that sign too. Um, when, when frogs came out of the earth, they reproduced that sign too. But they kind of stopped at the gnats and then they couldn't reproduce the other ones. It was like, it was, he's saying, these people saw the power of God and instead of just going, wow, God, they went, we, we've got power too. We can do that too. It's this opposition of a counterfeit faith. And in the end, those guys were totally exposed by the power of God. And Paul says, anyone who operates like that is going to be exposed too. Someday. So this is what's happening in the church in Ephesus. And there's a warning. It's going to keep happening. There's going to be influences within church life that will operate from counterfeit motives and lead the unwary into teaching and living that is not from Jesus Paul says, Timothy, stay away from people like that. 
These false teachers with false lives, don't let them influence you. Don't follow them. Don't accept their teaching. Don't look to their lives as a role model. Stay away from people like that. Under our one main instruction this morning, remain faithful to the things that you've been taught. Here's the first of our two subheadings. Choose who to follow. Now, we all follow Christ, um, but this is in the sense of when Paul says, you should follow me as I follow Christ, which is a big statement. Um, He's not saying, I'm Christ. He's going, in as much as I follow Christ, you should follow me. You should follow the Christ that you see um, in me. Because people follow people, we know that. We are, we are led by the influences that are in our lives, the people that we choose to emulate our lives after, the, the people that we kind of listen to and respect and look up to and, and, and who are role models of faith. We need those, we have those. Uh, Paul encourages this. He says, choose who to follow. Stay away from people like that. So how do we know who we should follow? How do we know who's right, who's wrong? Can we discern the motive of the teacher's heart? Can we tell who's leading us to Jesus and who isn't? We can, yes. How can we tell? Verse 10. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. What are the things Timothy has been taught? The things that came out of Paul's mouth, for sure. What else? He watched Paul. It's the way he lived. Remain faithful, not just to this teaching, to this life. Remain faithful, not just to these words, but to this motive of love that comes from God. You've seen it, Timothy. You've seen it. You've been discipled in the life of a believer of a follower of Jesus and remain faithful, Timothy, to that teaching and to that life. Choose who to follow. Which influences influences are you following? So I'm not just talking about pop culture, you know, movie stars and People you think, oh, would be, you know, when you daydream, wouldn't it be nice to be that rich or to be that famous or to be that good-looking or to be that fit or um, whatever. I'm talking about role models for the Christian life. Who do I look up to and respect? Who are my go-to people when I want to learn more about how to be a real Christian? Who are yours? Increasingly across my uh, generation, across my peers, people point to people they don't even know. Um, oh no, my role model is Joyce Meyer or Stephen Furtick or Andy Stanley or um, these are the people who I learn truth from because they are world-class communicators and they you know, really kind of punch the truth out and 
Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I love those kind of podcasts and I love that kind of teaching into my life and I get part of all that too. But Paul here is saying, follow someone whose life inspires you. It's not enough just to get good teaching. Even if it makes all kinds of sense to you, Paul's saying, pick role models where you can go, oh, I want to I live like that. Who is kind and who is, who is gentle? Where does the fruit of the Spirit find its way through people's lives? Who, who are you kind of in touch with and you poke them and they kind of leak Jesus in, in that faith and endurance and love and, and truth? Who you go to, people? Watch them, learn from their habits, their patience, their love, their kindness. You know when you, you've been thinking, that guy's awesome, or that lady's awesome, I love hearing from them, and gee, wow, they are a really influential Christian leader. And then you kind of get a check in your spirit because they start showing motivations of greed or unforgiveness or loving pleasure over God, or you start to feel like maybe they're boastful or proud or cruel, and you think, oh man, I thought you were someone who could help me. But I'm hearing Paul here, stay away from people like that. Because you know, Timothy, you've seen what this life actually is. And it's not that kind of high-powered, like, it's not that. It's this humble, real I love Jesus and I'm dying to myself for the sake of people around me kind of life. And there's faith and endurance and kindness that pours out of me even when I'm pushed. Timothy, you know you can trust me. You know what you've been taught. Just follow, choose who to follow. And there's a call to us to choose who to follow. Second subheading under remain faithful to the things you've been taught is this, rely on the word of God. Verse 15, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. What's the purpose of the Bible, of the Scriptures? Um, we, uh, I, I spoke at the, uh, at the Gideon's State Conference a few years ago and Brian got me down there. It was good fun, actually. Good, good. Well, no one's a good person. They love Jesus. Um, when I say no one's a good person, I just, you know, when you say they're good people, that makes it sound like they're good people as opposed to other people. We're all just in the same boat, aren't we? We just need Jesus. Um, anyway, and I, and I asked them this when you give someone a Bible, what's your hope? What's your hope? Is it that they'll take this book and they'll put it on a pedestal in their home, surrounded by kind of light, and they'll come in every day and just go, wow, like that. And in their mind, they'll just see this light coming out of the, the Bible. And if someone, a kid comes in and they touch that pedestal, they'll be like, get your hands off that. That's a holy book. We don't touch that. When we're little. Is that what we want? Is the Bible, the Bible, the, the, the paper and the ink, is that holy? It's paper and ink. 
You know, you know what's holy about the Bible? Jesus Christ. And you know the purpose of the Scriptures? To connect people with God. It is God's Word. Empowered by God's Spirit to shift us from our selfish, scared, afraid, empty little lives into this full life of connection with God. That's what's holy about the Bible. There's God. God's speaking. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures, Paul says, and they have given you what? Lots of knowledge? They've given you what? The, the code of ethics that you should follow? They've given you what? The license to kind of bash someone over the head who's doing the wrong thing? They've given you what, Timothy? They've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. The purpose of the Scriptures is to connect people in relationship with God. Paul goes on, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful. Is useful for what? To teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Um, my dad, uh, I, this is indelible in my mind. He says, this is the word of God. It says, son, here's the path. When you get off the path, it's, you're off the path. And then it goes, this is the way back onto the path. And then it's, this is the way to stay on the path. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Just, there's the path. And you can't know it if you're not reflecting on the word of God. You're going to miss the rebuke. You're going to miss the, whoops, you're off the path if you're not reflecting on the word of God. And you're not going to know how to get back on the path if you're not reflecting on the word of God. And you're not going to learn how to stay on the path unless you reflect on the word of God. In this walk with God, we're called to remain faithful to the things we've been taught. And to do that, we must rely on the word of God. There was a study of... Um, over 100,000 Christians in the States a little while ago. And they were trying to find out discipleship markers. What helps someone grow as a Christian? And they had ways of measuring as best as possible. Like, how do you measure the immeasurable? But, you know, the kind of behaviors that, um, that Christians who mature exhibit and what the influences were that uh, led to... And they, and they tried to find all of these factors that might influence that. They didn't find very much. That doesn't mean there isn't anything. They just couldn't find it statistically if you understand statistics but one thing that was significant in their findings was consistently um, the one significant factor for every christian who actually matured um, was it wasn't age by the way just in case you was regular reflection on the word of god that is i open my bible i turn it on i read it um, empowered by the spirit of god God, what are you saying here? I need to understand more about you. Help me to understand more about you. I'm going to think about this thing. That kind of reflection on the Word of God. It's the only significant finding they had from that big, big study. It's not surprising because, you know, 2, um, 2 Timothy 3, 
Yeah. The Bible shows us the path and it keeps us on it. And God uses it to prepare us and equip us for every good work. So here's our question this morning for this part of this talk. Does my life demonstrate that I rely on the Word of God? You you can do church without it, but you can't do life without it. (laughs) You can even bluff, we can bluff our way through. Just get the Sundays or the podcasts or not, depending if we feel like it that way. Um, But we can't grow unless we're in a habit of reflecting on the Word of God. And this is not a, it's not a guilt trip. It's, Paul doesn't even put it that way here. He's just like, it's to inspire us towards life. And let me say this. We make plans for our life, all kinds of plans, about the improvements that we want, the future that we see. This habit of reflecting on the Word of God, it, it's more important than our diet, than our weight, that our retirement, that our salary, that our reputation, that our family. It's more important than anything else in our lives. So why are we so... Why why do we drift away from that regular reflection? Why do I drift away? from that commitment to regularly reflecting that way. It's an invitation again this morning to rediscover a rhythm of regular reflection on the Word of God. Um, people do it different ways in the mornings, in the evenings, when you first wake up, just before you go to bed, time through the day, on the train. For me, I know this. I'm in the Word all week because of my job, but that's not, that's not this um, so if I get half an hour, three times a week to just sit with God, read something and listen to Him, then I'm in a healthy place um, this way. That's my rhythm of this. Um, but it might be different for you. But you've got, to, you've got to find a rhythm for your life that puts you in regular reflection on the Word of God if you want to live this life, if you want to know the path and stay on it. And people from Paul and Timothy and down through the ages have remained faithful to this, to what they've been taught. They've followed the role models ahead of them and they've relied on the word of God. And they've known and continue to know life forever in Jesus Christ. And now it's our turn. Now it's our turn. In 2019 Australia in Warrigal, it's our turn to choose who we follow. We have the word of God in our hands. The mantle is passed to us. And we're invited into life called to trust Jesus, to really trust Jesus. It's our turn. It's my turn. It's your turn. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this invitation and this reminder to life. For some of us, this is an encouragement to just keep going the way we are. Uh, For some of us, this is a, a correction or a a prompt towards change, maybe. When we look at the role models in our lives, the people that we're following, um, God, 
Um, or when we think about our habits of reflecting on your word. So Father, I pray that we would hear grace from you, life from you, encouragement from you, blessing from you in this as you move us and prompt us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, let's sing this song again, The Lion and the Lamb.